Have you ever noticed that when somebody is about to lose something they've been complaining about, whether it's a car, a home, a mate, a job, or whatever, when all of a sudden it appears they're going to lose them, it takes on brand new value. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. Today, we hear a clip from Zig Ziggler. Longer than normal. This one's about six minutes. I just couldn't cut it more because it's so golden and rich. Zig talks to us about the power of our attitudes and how the number one high-octane fuel to support our positive attitude in any situation is gratitude. Well, from this, I asked the question on Facebook where so many of you have joined me at my Agent K Miller page. I asked, I need some stories on gratitude, but want to hear from two sides. One, tell me a time when you used gratitude to successfully change your attitude about something. Or two, tell me when you realized there wasn't enough, in essence, to be grateful for, or the pros didn't outweigh the cons, and you needed to make a circumstantial change. Well, Tom Ziegler and I talked through some incredible comments, really covered a lot of ground regarding getting rid of negative perspectives and either changing your paradigm with gratitude or when necessary, changing the actual circumstances. So it was real interesting. And of course, coming from the comments that you guys left, it was just real world, real issues. Well, before we have Zig kick us off with his message, I want to share a couple great resources. Okay, then, folks, here I bring you about six minutes with Zig Ziglar. A number of years ago, Larry Majors, my executive assistant, got a phone call from a lady in Birmingham, Alabama. At the end of the conversation, she said, Zig, she said, I believe this woman thinks she's got an impossible problem, but I believe you can solve that problem her with her in just a few minutes if you will spend that time with her. I said, well, Laurie, tell her to meet me backstage. I'll get there about 10 minutes early. My schedule was such that was about all I had. Well, I got there, and I was on uh, backstage behind the curtain on one side. She spotted me from the other side, and as she walked across the stage, I had never seen as much anger in a human being in my life as I saw in her. She almost started crying when she saw me. She said, oh, I'm just so glad to see you. I got this horrible job. I hate it. I hate everything about it. I hate everybody down there. I mean, uh, you're talking about negative nails. She was it. She said, can you help me? Now, understand, I've only got about 10 minutes. So I looked at her, and uh, one thing I have learned, I don't do counseling but I talk with a lot of people who do in psychology, psychiatry, and the ministry. And they tell me that everybody who comes to you with a problem are not necessarily looking for a solution. I couldn't understand that for a long time. Why do they bring you a problem if they don't want to solve it? Well, I can tell you why. They want to tell you about it, you about it, you about it, you about it, and you about it. And if you foul up the deal and solve the problem, they can't tell you again, you again. They want the attention that goes with the problem. And every company just about it has that kind of an individual. They want the attention that goes with griping and, uh, and complaining. Well, I looked at the lady, and it wasn't unkindly, but firmly I said to her, yes, and you know, ma'am, I'm afraid your problem is about to get worse. She said, what do you mean? I said, I believe they're going to fire you. <laughs> She was stunned. I couldn't have stunned her more if I'd hit her in the face with a bucket of ice water. She said, fire me? Why on earth would they fire me? The inflection in her voice clearly said, they're the bad guys. I'm the good guy. Why don't they fire them and keep me? 
Have you ever noticed that people who are the problem never recognize that they are? They're in complete denial. They think denial is just a river in Egypt. <laughs> Why would they fire me? I said, ma'am, I don't believe there's a company in America big enough to contain this much poison in one small spot. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that when somebody is about to lose something they've been complaining about, whether it's a car, a home, a mate, a job, or whatever, when all of a sudden it appears they're going to lose them, it takes on brand new value. She looked at me and said, well, what can I do? I said, do you really want to know? She said, yes, I do. That's the reason I came to see you. I came looking for help, but you sure had not been any help so far. <laughs> I said, well, ma'am, I've got an idea, and I will absolutely guarantee you it positively, definitely, absolutely will work if you will just do it. She said, I'll try anything within reason. I said, okay, when you get home tonight, all of your household tasks are complete. It's bedtime. Get off in a room right by yourself. Get a sheet of paper out, and at the top of it write, I like my job because she interrupted me. She said, that'll be easy. I don't like nothing about that job. Don't like nothing about those people down there. And I said, well, just as a matter of curiosity, do you work there for benevolent reasons, or do they pay you for working there? She said, well, I got to confess, they pay me. And I said, and you don't like to be paid. Oh, she said, yes, I do. I said, okay, tell you what you do. Open your notebook right now. We'll start our list of the things you like about your job. They pay you for working there, and you do like it, don't you? She said, absolutely. But she just stood there. I said, no, open your notebook now, and we'll get uh, busy on the list. She just stood there. I said, ma'am, let me, let me tell you what my experience in life has been. I've discovered that in 100% of the cases, no exceptions, people who won't take step number one never take step number two. You see, she had come to me with an impossible dream. Her dream was that nice Mr. Ziegler was going to solve all of her problems, and she would live happily ever after. Well, folks, I got news for you. I can't solve her problems. I can't solve your problems. But I will give you some steps that I'll absolutely, definitely, and positively will work for you. As it worked eventually for her. I said, well, ma'am, let me tell you something. Unless you're willing to take step number one right now, it's been nice talking with you. She angrily opened her notebook. Before we got through, there were 22 things she liked about her job. Not only did they pay her for working there, they paid her above average. She had three weeks vacation with pay. She had a retirement program. She was in on profit sharing. She had health insurance, life insurance, and accident insurance. She lived less than 10 minutes from home. She was in on management decisions. The company sent her to three seminars a year to be paid for. She had her own private office and parking place. 22 things that she liked about her job. Now I said, ma'am, when you get home tonight, everything is finished. Get off in a room right by yourself. Close the doors. Change one word from I like my job to I love my job. Get in front of that mirror. And folks, I cannot say this strongly enough, but I'm going to try. The eyes are the windows of the soul. Look yourself in the eye and with excitement and enthusiasm say, I love my job because they pay me for working there. I love my job because they pay me above average for working there. I love my job because I have a wonderful insurance program. I love my job before every one of the statements. You will sleep better that night. 
You see, there's something hidden in what I'm saying to you now. When she says, I like my job, she's really saying, I'm grateful for my job. And of all of the emotions we can have, according to Hans Selye, the number one stress specialist in America, the healthiest of all human emotions is gratitude. All right, folks. Well, there you go. From that message right there from Zig. Again, I asked this question on my Agent K Miller Facebook page where you're welcome to join and share in these weekly discussions. But I ask, I need some stories on gratitude, but want to hear from two sides. Number one, tell me a time when you use gratitude to successfully change your attitude about something. Or two, tell me when you realized there wasn't enough to be grateful for and you made a needed change. Well, here then, Tom Ziegler and I dive into some great comments. Okay, well, Tom, uh, first off, that clip from your dear father of the lady who just wanted her to him to fix everything and uh, tell about how bad her job was. I mean, that that's a pretty classic story of his, isn't it? It is, absolutely. In fact, it's one of the most quoted stories out there. And it's also uh, kind of the standard attitude that the majority of the population believes, which is, wait a second, you know what? My happiness is dependent upon my environment, you know, and yeah. that's, that's really the essence of that. And when you take control and start to realize, wait a second, I'm in control of my environment. I heard a quote the other day. It said, make your life happen to the day don't let your day happen to your life. Mm. And too many people just get up and they let the day determine their life. And when you have the attitude of gratitude, you're kind of flipping that, right? You're kind mm. of saying, no, I'm going to make my life happen to the day. Yeah. Well, okay. So I want to hit on this because, I mean, okay, it's one thing and we all have heard that, you know, since we were kids, a lot of us have heard, you know, count your blessings and, and, uh, you know, we've got a lot to be grateful for. Somebody else has it worse. And we understand that, but now there are real issues in our lives that are difficult, even like the lady in, you know, the story. I mean, she was really authentically struggling. And, uh, and so taking the time to see what can I be grateful for can be transforming. Now on the other side of that though, uh, talk to me some about it because sometimes there are bad circumstances that actually do need to be changed. And so when you do that audit, I don't know if I like the, the idea of saying, well, if there's not enough to be grateful for, you need to move on. I mean, there's, there's always a lot to be grateful for. We're all, we're all blessed, but obviously there's sometimes when, you know, even for that lady, she could have gone through, she hadn't gotten, what was it? 47 things that she did appreciate about her job. And she really only got four it could have been a different answer was it, you, you need to get out of that uh, job and maybe do something else. I don't know. Talk to us about that side. You know, I like the audit. Um, ben Franklin, who's a pretty famous guy. Most people have heard of mm -hmm. <laughs> when he was 20, uh, he created the list of virtues, 13 of them. And every day at the end of the day, he reviewed to see how well he did in each of those virtues. And his belief was he could always do better. Yeah. And so whenever he was focusing on a specific virtue, his goal was to not mess up in that virtue all day long. And so when we do the audit of what's going on in our life, when we, when we kind of add up our gratitude list, uh, there are some things that we can change. There are some things we can't change. And there are some things we have to accept. Mm -hmm. 
And the question then becomes, wait a second, uh, Fred Smith, dad's mentor, he said, you know, there's, there's a difference between a problem and a fact. And he gave the illustration of, say, you lost your leg. It's a fact. You accept facts. You accept the fact that you lost your leg. Now you have the problem of it takes me 10 minutes longer to get ready in the morning. Well, you work with problems and you solve them. So what do you do? You, you get up 10 minutes earlier. You do some research on how other people with the same situation make their life easier. You know, how they organize their room and all those kinds of things. So you accept facts and you work on problems. Hmm. If we're in a circumstance where there's just not a lot to be positive about, uh, let, let's just make it easy. You work someplace where you have an abusive uh, employer, boss. Um, it's hard to be grateful for that situation, but I don't believe you're called to stay there either. And it's some people have very tough decisions to make because they need the income. They need to make that decision. You know, they got to support a family. Uh, I've, I've discovered though, that when people start looking for options and alternatives, those doors do open. So you can be grateful that you have the stability to go find the place that you can, you know, that you can land in. And that's what you've got to do. Well, I like the way that you framed that, that even let's go to the job. If you are for what, yeah, it's hard to imagine that somebody is a hundred percent stuck with no option at all, but let's just say that that is the case. And there's somebody or somebody's listening right now and they feel like they're in that place. They are, well, let's go to another of of Zig's uh, quotes, you know, positive thinking won't uh, allow you to do anything, but it'll allow you to do everything better than negative thinking will. So if you're stuck in that spot then you might as well make peace, find some things to be grateful for and get a better attitude uh, for sure. But if there is an option to go and, and, and yeah, there's not a, not a long list of things to be grateful for than to do that. But the biggest point being not to be negative, that is where, you know, back to the lady in the story, that negativity was not either, which way was not serving. It was so, it was, she was just handicapping herself. She was, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was listening to uh, one of our good friends, Dave Ramsey, Mm-hmm. And there was a lady on the phone and I love his phone calls. And she was like, I'm stuck. I don't have any money. We're broke. And he's like, well, where do you live? And she said, well, we live uh, 50 miles outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico, basically in the middle of nowhere. And he said, well, how did that happen? And he said, well, we were driving to, you know, a new destination and our truck and our camper broke down on the side of the road. And the farm guy, the rancher who had the place there, saw him and said, hey, do you want to pull it in here? I'll pull it in here and you can spend the night. Well, they ended up renting a pad from this guy and their truck was broken down and her husband went to work as a farmhand, a ranch hand. And she's like, Dave, what do I do? I have no money. And he's like, well, how close is the nearest town? Well, 15 miles. Do they have a job there? Well, probably, but I have no transportation. How do I get there? And he asked her about 20 questions and the answer to every single one of them was, no, I can't do that. Yeah. (laughs) And so the point is, is that her prison wasn't the ranch. It wasn't the situation. The prison was her belief of what she could and couldn't do. Yeah. Right. Because you can call Uber, even in, even in Albuquerque, you can call Uber. You can, you can, you can do whatever it takes. And so what we've got to do is we've got to have this belief, this, this foundation that says, you know what, 
I always have a choice right now to do something that's going to take me closer to my objective in life. And that choice might be as simple as I'm going to drink some water and get some exercise because it's, it's pretty bad right now, but we can still do something to change our attitudes towards that. When our attitude improves, that also helps with our gratitude. And when our gratitude improves, that helps with our attitude. So it's a never ending uh, fuel there that we've got to do. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about just what you said. Uh, I'm going to go to the first comment that we had here. It's a great one. Daniel says, uh, I learned of a quick practice to wish two people in the room at the time, at any time or on the street to be happy every hour. So this is just him inside of his head, wishing them to be happy. I began doing this and things began to change. I then took that concept and instead of making wishes for uh, for myself, I made wishes for other people. The blessings that came were indescribable. I'm now at a new job doing something I really love. My income about doubled, uh, and, uh, the muscle for gratitude has since strengthened and I am happier than ever. I think the people around me are happier too, as I notice the little things they do for myself or my family. Uh, that one just for me, Tom, I mean, that, that points right back to a guest that we had on the show that I, I feel like I, I cite her name about every third show, Shanti Feldhahn, the kindness challenge. It was just so mind blowing to hear her talk about when we look at being kind to someone else, we're generally thinking about the reciprocity from that. And she says, just the act of being kind to that person changes us. The biggest beneficiary is us right then when we give that kindness, regardless of what is reciprocated. And that, man, that is just, I mean, we're, it's brain training. This goes back to the self-talk cards. It is right. absolute. This guy, Daniel is training his brain. And I love it because he calls it the muscle of gratitude. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is every one of our qualities, every one of our character qualities, whether it's kindness or love or gratitude, they're all muscles and we've got to exercise them. And one of the things that I loved to, uh, there was a comment, and I think it was at our church, and the and the comment was, is parents, you can't do service projects for your kids. They have to do them themselves, mm. yeah. right? We, somebody can't be my surrogate server. I've got to serve myself. Gratitude is the same way. We've got to take the time to build that gratitude muscle. And here's an amazing thing is when we, when we you know, there's so many studies on gratitude, but when we build the gratitude muscle, it keeps us out of prison. Mm -hmm. People who have the opposite of gratitude, which is entitlement, I'm owed something, are far more likely to justify taking something that isn't theirs and end up on the wrong side of the law. People with an abundance of gratitude when something unfair happens, I mean, patently unfair, they usually just step back and say, well, that's not going to change how I view the day. Look at all the other things I have. And they just keep going. So the muscle has to be there. I mean, that is, it's so, so profound that if we want more gratitude that will then change the outcomes in our lives, we have to figure out how am I daily going to grow that? I, I remember years ago, uh, wanting a similar thing with patience. I just, I view myself as an impatient person and, uh, I, I need to be more patient. And my wife just, uh, kind of reminded me, well, honey, you're going to have to do things that require patience for you to grow that muscle. I did not really want to hear that. Uh, but she was, maybe that's why we had so many kids, Tom, uh, that's, <laughs> yes. that, that's helped. 
give me patience and give it to me now. Yeah. And so yes. God, sent you, and exactly. God sent you 12 kids. <laughs> that is, that ex- that's exactly right. Well, hey, here's another one. Heidi, she says, uh, we all know what goes into owning and running a business. Uh, I did and I failed and decided to go get a job. Uh, as time went on, I realized just how much more I knew than who I was working for. The person who I worked for got jealous, decided to try to cut my pay. I had to make a decision to work, to work underpaid or to start on my own. So I did, I started on my own again and, uh, began to get resentful over the amount of work I knew this was going to take. Finally, after being bitter, I knew I couldn't start back up this way. So after listening to you guys and that famous quote, failure is an event, not a person. I said to myself, change. Now I'm moving into starting this business with a grateful heart uh, saying I can do this. People believe in me so much that they will pay me. And this is a gift, not a curse. Uh, Thankfully, this time I know what not to do as well, or some of the things not to do. So I'm hopeful that I can stay in gratitude, even in a challenging time. Uh, well, one Tom on that, I like that, you know, the first one I'm going to assume she, she, in a, in a sense, as we talked about, there wasn't enough to be grateful for. She was in a bad workplace and she looked at that and said, Hey, this is not going to, to be able to continue. And so she made the decision to get out of that. As you said, a, a prison, she didn't allow herself to stay in prison and that she did make a move. But then, uh, yeah, the aspect again is what we talked about before about the point is just to not be negative and her saying, I can't do this bitter. I mean, that is, we can't, I mean, we, can't we look at anywhere in our lives and say, if I am bitter in this, uh, in this circumstance, whether it's a relationship, a job or whatever, I mean, that is just not going, there's no good outcome. It's impossible. Bitter is golly. I, I think that might be one of the most difficult uh, conditions to be in. I yeah. mean, it's one of our Ziegler legacy certified trainers, uh, Stane Rousseau. He's down in South Africa. Uh, he's, he's a brain coach and he was doing some inside training for our, our, our trainers. And I, I, I said, Hey, help me, help me out. I'm in the process of, of, of trying to get in shape. What should I be telling myself? And he said, Oh, here, say this over and over again to yourself. He said, he said, I, so this is what I say. I'm getting fitter and fitter every day and in every way. Hmm. And he said, what you're, what happens is your brain says, I want to fulfill that. And so what happens is when you're given choices between parking, you know, next to the door or, you know, at the end of the parking lot where you get a little walk or you're going through the salad bar and you could get some extra vegetables or some extra cheese. What happens is your brain is thinking I'm getting fitter and fitter every day in every way. And it's it's amazing the influence that says this, and so I would I would create a mantra similar to that with attitude and gratitude. You know, you know I'm I'm blessed in every way every day because of the job that I'm you know because of the business I've started. You know whatever it is that you just say it over and over again, and so that bitterness gets forced out. We look at the world. And in the U.S., golly, God, what a blessing we have. We could just go start a business. I mean, it's 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 pretty amazing. It is. Right. And a lot of times uh, when, when you have a negative situation, you can turn that negative situation, like having to leave a job because the person there got jealous. I would play the flipper game and really just be just every night, be grateful for them for allowing, for basically pushing you out of the nest to grow your own wings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
because you, you can be bitter or you can be grateful. And what they've done is they've set you free. That, uh, that is, that is great. And that is, I, it's just not, we're not talking Pollyanna stuff. We're not talking about just trying to paint a, a, a black wall white, uh, when it's still, you know, when there is a problem there, we're talking about reframing our mindset. Yeah. Even grateful with what seems like a hard thing like that, uh, is, is it, it's all powerful. Well, I, I appreciate this also. Um, the part, yeah, I do want you to speak real quick, Tom, to, I don't know what she didn't name, what business it is she's going into, but her statement, people believe in me so much that they pay me. I know you do a ton of work and I have as well through the years in not only coaching and consulting ourselves, but in helping other people become coaches and consultants and that personal value of saying, I have something to offer that can help someone and that is worth payment is a big deal. So again, I don't know if that's exactly what Heidi was referring to, but I'm going to guess that it was something along those lines. Uh, that's a big deal to have that confidence in yourself. It is. And one of the questions that I ask business owners uh, because we do a lot, you know, we've got the Ziegler business owner boot camp, and we do a lot of consulting with business owners is I ask them a real simple question. What problem do you solve? And if you are solving a problem, then you are literally offering incredible value. Uh, Rabbi Lappin says that when we solve a problem, we're often rewarded with certificates of appreciation. Mm -hmm. We call that money. Mm -hmm. Isn't that cool? And this is what I love because a lot of times, for some reason, people, they they don't feel like they're worth the money, right? And that's kind of what this comment's alluding to. Hey, I, I am worth the money. But, but, this, but the second thing is this. God's never happier with his children than when they're solving the problems of his other children. And so as in whether you're working sales or you work for somebody else or you own your own business, when you're solving other people's problems, and the creator of the universe is giving you a round of applause. But here's what's even cooler, because in, in, in the Bible, it says, you know, God loves a cheerful giver. Mm -hmm. Well, he loves the attitude with which you give even more than the gift. And so when we talk about gratitude and work, it's the way we solve the problem that gets the round of applause. It's the attitude, the joy, the kindness, the love, the servant heart, the, the consideration that really is the, is the differentiator. And so what a way to look at what you do every day. Hey, I can, I can solve a problem and I can do it with an attitude that ripples through eternity, an attitude that they take home with them and say, wow, you know, today on our uh, live to, I do live to win uh, webinars. And today the word was legendary and and the question was, how can I be legendary today? What is something legendary that I can do? So anytime we're dealing with somebody in our work environment, whether it's a customer or a team member or whatever, what's the little ordinary thing that I can do extraordinary or that I can do in a legendary way? And if you add kindness and gratitude to it, legendary just happens. So what is legendary? Legendary is something that gets talked about after you've left the room. Yeah. Right? It's the man, you're not going to believe what happened at the grocery store. They they put a they put a rose or they put a flower into my bag and said, "Have a great day." 
how hard was that? I mean, they're going to throw the flowers out at the end of the day anyway. But it was an intentional act of kindness. And, you know, they're grateful that, that you're there and they're expressing their gratitude for you being there. How can we be legendary? And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. How can we be legendary? Well, tell you what, let me read this next one. Steve says, my kids, I take them for granted way too much. I find that when I slow down and realize what a gift they are, I fill with gratitude and a bit of sadness because I know as a human, my actions will never be able to show just how much I love them. Well, that speaks of legacy to me right there. Uh, No greater place do we have to leave a legacy than our kids. But that right there, taking that paradigm shift. I mean, it, it takes us back to the question of what is reality, that it's truly what we make of it. And to what you said before, Tom, about the prisons that we make for ourselves, the prisons of our minds, in essence, is significant. But this, I I think we can all relate to that uh, with our kids, with our, especially relationship with our spouse, um, those folks that we are, gosh, back to what you said, Tom, and we are, this sounds terrible. We get the idea. You're stuck with them. Hopefully, Uh, you know, you, you are, we, you and I believe uh, that this, uh, the marriage is for life. The kids are for life and we are stuck with them. We've got to get our heads around it. What gets me though, is with Steve doing this, giving, having gratitude for his kids changes his behavior. It changes the spirit. It changes what they receive. It changes their behavior. I mean, this is what legacy is made of. Absolutely. And you know, what's interesting, Kevin is, uh, Steve is a friend of the Ziegler's. In fact, I think he's Facebook friends with my sister, Cindy, who works here. And uh, he is one of the most real people you'll see out there. Mm-hmm. And what do I mean by that? I mean that, you know, he is looking life in the face and realizing, you know, not everything was has been perfect. Uh, but I can tell you, Steve, that your kids, you may not, you may not think, they know the depth of your love, but I can guarantee you they are watching the example and the effort that you're making. And so they're seeing it. And as they grow and mature, they'll see it even more. Uh, but just the fact that it's like, you know, when you sit down and you really get intentional about those who mean everything to you and you're like, how could I show them more? We all feel that we all feel like, wow, you know, I was, we, I was sitting with my daughter last night and I was looking at my phone instead of giving her a hundred percent of the attention. Mm. I mean, we all have that little catch in our spirit. And so what can we do today a little bit better than we did yesterday? And that's that, that's that intentionality. So, yeah, man, I will have to say on that note that Steve shared there, the, the latter part of it, that as a father, I am a, very devoted, very dedicated, very loving father. I get great testimonies from my kids and from those around me, yet it is the area that I am the most burdened about. Uh, and I hope it's, uh, I'm trying to make it a healthy burden, one that just keeps me astute and aware, but I am often a, a little, I stay a little worried. Am I really loving my kids? Well, am I leading them? Well, am I really investing in them enough? Am I influencing them enough? Uh, it's, it's one, maybe we, as parents, it's hard to ever get away from that and just to feel like, now nah, I'm good. I got it. Uh, it's one that it, it 
it's, it stays, that burden stays there. I think, you know, dad said this, he said to a child, love is spelled T I M E. And I, I think, uh, as parents, let's get uncomplicated. Mm. Let's take the distractions out and let's just spend time with our kids. Yeah. Get in an environment where it's just the two of us or the three of us or whoever the kids are. And there's not nothing else to do other than to talk or walk or throw rocks or, or whatever. Uh, that's where the moments are made. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, one more, speaking of, of parenting, uh, here's another, another parent talking here. Well, it's not just about parenting, but uh, one, one more here, Tom, this is a good one. Sophia. She says, when my daughter was born, we'd just gone through a terrible business experience and lost everything. We moved in with my parents. I set up a nursery and half my mom's craft room. When a little girl was two days old, I laid in my bed crying tears of gratitude. My entire body was shaking. I was crying so hard from thankfulness. Friends rallied and I had been given almost everything I needed. I had a healthy birth and my daughter was healthy. I was surrounded by love. I had done nothing to deserve. We were only providing for her through the generosity of family and friends. Two days later, we received a call that someone was offering a house to live in for free for a year and a half. And my husband's business turned around almost instantly after she was born. I'm still convinced that because I could be thankful in the lowest of lows for a healthy baby and people who loved us, that it created the ripple of abundance that followed. Four years later, we have a second child on the way, bought the house that was loaned to us, and are both experiencing success in our careers. I'll never forget that night. I held my baby and bawled tears of gratitude for two hours. Well, Tom, that drove me to scripture in the Bible, Luke 16, 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. I thought that was a beautiful story of, of the gratitude, the faithfulness in essence of what they had that seemed like little she cites as being what is now bringing them much. Yep. I love it. Uh, the gift of, you know, the uh, parable of the talents. Yes. The master comes and says, what have you done with the talents I gave you? Yeah. Notice he didn't say, what have you done with the talents I gave to your neighbor? Mm. And so I think our responsibility is to use and to do the best we can with what God's given us. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of our listeners know that at Ziegler, we have Monday morning devotionals. And every Monday morning at 7.30, we get together and we have far more guests than we do team members. And today we had a gentleman and he used a couple of phrases. He said, he said, what really matters? Is it what I bought or what I built? Hmm. Is it what I got or what I gave? And I think if we set out to build lives and to give and start to recognize the gifts that we've had. Uh, Dad said that success is the maximum utilization of the abilities that God gave you. Mm. I think some of our resentment and, entitle, and, and entitlement thinking and bitterness comes from, we look around and we go, oh, look over there. They've got so much more than I do. You know, they've got this gift and they came out of that home and they were born in that country and da, 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 da. That's not how we're judged. Right. And so when we start, that's what gratitude 
really allows us to do is to focus on the things that we do have, what we can be thankful for and build from there. And guess what? The only way we become the, the person God created us to become is if with grit, we work on the gifts and talents that he's given us. Yes, I like that grit. Uh, and folks, if you want to hear more about that, I don't have the show number in front of me. This is show uh, 570, probably in the 560s, I think, was a show we did with, I did with Tom, and he went through and talked about that in detail, uh, grit, among some other things. So go back and listen to that show. Uh, you know, uh, the one, I, I do think of myself as in the role of a father, and when my kids are grateful and I have some, I have incredible kids, they're not completely perfect. And some of them in certain times are less perfect than they are in other times. And you know, the ones that are grateful, I want to give them more. The ones that are not, I don't, I mean, that, there's some human nature. Now I can't, I'm not God. He is far uh, different and, and greater than I am, but I, you know, I still wonder if, uh, if that doesn't relate there. If I can't be grateful with what I have now, why would it be thought I'd be grateful with more? Um, so <laughs> it's just one of the thoughts that I have, uh, in my, in my quiet time and my two chairs time is sometimes I'll think about uh, my daughter. And so I know you've got, you still have little ones running around, but yeah. when they're four or five, and the end of the day is coming there. So they've been playing and they're kind of tired. Sometimes they'll come and sit in your lap. Mm -hmm. And then after about a minute, they'll ask you for something. Can I have an ice cream? Mm -hmm. Can I have a Coke? Can I have some candy? And sometimes I'll just sit in your lap. And after five minutes, you're like, baby, what are you doing here? Oh, daddy, I just wanted to be next to you. Man, if they ask for the candy store, you give them the candy store after that <laughs> yeah. comment, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, and so that's, to me, that's like the essence of gratitude. You know, just get close to those, you know, get close to God. Absolutely. I just want to be with you. I mean, look at what you've done. Don't you think that the that the blessings are about to be poured out when that is the, that's the essence of, of why we're here? Well, and I like what you talked about with the parable of the talents and, you know, if we are responsible with our gratitude and the small things and whatever, and what we have now responsible, there will be given the responsibility, uh, to an increased responsibility of more things to be grateful for. Just like in that talents, we multiply those talents, um, man, great topic folks. Thanks. And, and, and there were some other posts that came in, but I think we've, uh, uh, we've covered our time here, but thank you as always for sharing these, Tom. I, I love this. It brings so much more out of hearing these real life stories than we'd ever come up with on our own. Amen. Amen. Well, there you go, friends, a great charge to change our perspectives or change our circumstances. But either way, not ever a place to be negative, to be bitter, as you heard us talk about. Hey, if you got value from the show, please leave us a review in iTunes. Let us know. Many of you have done that lately. It's really been significant in increasing our rankings, helping other people find us. Email us, if you would, at thanks at ZigglerShow.com. Tell us your iTunes username that you use, and we'll thank you by sending you a book by Zig Ziglar and Tom Ziglar, Born to Win, an actual hard copy. 
Well, coming up next in show 571, we bring you Chris Hogan. Many of you know Chris as one of the primary personalities with Dave Ramsey. Well, Chris's uh, book, his latest one is Retire Inspired, but and this is not just to entice everyone to hear the show. Folks, I'm not ready to retire. That's not really the essence of what he's talking about. He's saying, get prepared, leave a legacy, do the things now that set you up for where you want to be. But he talks about really just making the most of our time. And it's a powerful story, especially when you hear a very personal story from Chris about one of his kids with a chronic issue. You may have even seen this video on YouTube and some other channels uh, that's gone viral to some degree. Has a son dealing with a very acute issue and it's a daily charge for them to make every day count. Really powerful, passionate discussion. Well, hey, till then, thank you for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.